This is Justin. Today on Theocast, John and I are going to have a conversation about authority. In a fallen world, we all have an inherent distrust of authority. We tend to think it's bad. But in reality, authority in and of itself is good. It's something that God has given us. The reality is, because we're sinners, we often abuse authority, and that is true even in the church. So John and I are going to talk about these things, how to wield authority well, how, with the best of intentions, authority is often used poorly, and people, the sheep, the saints, are hurt as a result of it. We hope this conversation is clarifying and helpful to you. Stay tuned. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon through the Amazon Smile program. When you make a purchase through Amazon Smile, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective, at least most of the time, right, John? <laughs> That's right. Your hosts today are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I'm Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. But we are not recording from those respective locations today. We are live together on location. New I location. Guess, new location, a place that we've never recorded before, at least the two of us. A place where I've been before, though not in this particular dwelling. <laughs> we are in Wake Forest, North Carolina. I think we can let the people know. And I'm I'm here to speak at the Nine Marks Conference at Southeastern. And Theocast is here. We've got a booth. We're giving away 500 copies yeah. of our book, Rest, thank to you guys pastors for and seminary students. Yeah, we had several people donate to allow us to do that. So thank you. Yeah, so we're really thrilled to be here uh, at a conference like this and for Theocast to, to have a presence at a conference like this. So uh, you'll have already, or you'll be hearing this when the conference has already happened. So to ask you to pray for it may seem a little bit strange, but uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll trust that the Lord will, will do some good things through our time here the next couple of days. But since we're together, we thought we would record a podcast. Why would we not, John? It's always right. nice to record face to face, even though there's about 14 pieces of equipment between the two of us right now. <laughs> Trying to record remotely is a thing, guys. Uh, you can pray for us to that end. But I've said enough. John, let's let everybody know what we're going to talk about today. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think yeah. it's going to be good. Justin and I, we, um, you guys might hear some noise in the background. We have some of we our, have, we have guys with us, our guys from our church. So we're so thankful they're yeah, here. We are. Um, but the, um, Justin and I will typically start thinking about conversations that we find helpful whether it's shepherding issues, something we're preaching on. And we were thinking through the podcast we had done on forgiveness and Justin had preached on it. I had preached on it. And uh, it led to a greater conversation really just about authority and mm-hmm. the abuse of authority. Because sometimes the hardest thing to forgive is someone who has used authority incorrectly. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I forgive them, but do I stay underneath their authority? And like, what does all of that look like? Sure. So we wanted to have a conversation about the progression of, I would say, uh, people who have good biblical authority. Like mm-hmm. authority is not a bad thing. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Right. I'll let you explain that. But how we often will take authority and when the flesh gets in, involved and pride gets involved and money gets involved and fame gets involved, all of a sudden we'll start putting rules and regulations on people and we'll start requiring things of them that the Bible re- never gave the authority to do that. Right. So that's where we're at today. I know that this is a little bit different, but where I want you to stay tuned, don't tune us out. 
because Justin and I are going to go back and talk about some historical theology about pietism, revivalism, mm -hmm. fundamentalism, and how some of that is still infiltrating the church today. And I think, you know, I gave this illustration, well, Justin. If I, may, if I may interject, yeah. how those things relate to right, the authority abuse, gone wrong. Authority yeah. gone wrong. Yeah. Um, one of the issues that, that's even coming out in different denominations and larger churches is the abuse of power. You hear sure. this, um, just leadership that uh, is t controlling is one mm -hmm. word I've heard. And you wonder, you know, someone asked me, I was uh, talking with a pastor the other day and we were talking about, is it better to not be in a church versus being in an abusive, like uh, yeah. harmful church, right? Like sure. which one's worse, you sure. know? And I said, if your experience uh, of eating out, the only thing you've ever experienced is eating out is, is McDonald's. And I'm like, dude, we should go eat out. And you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I right. ate McDonald's like four weeks ago. I don't really want to eat it again right now. Right. And then someone says, yeah, but you should really be going to church every single week. And what pops into your head is that experience of McDonald's. Right. Right. That, that's where a lot of people, I think this is an important conversation because their experience has been so horrific yeah. because the authority that they were underneath had gone so far off the rails that it's hard to stomach thinking about re-entering in a relationship like that again. Sure. So. And we may have to, over the course of this podcast, because I'm, I'm immediately thinking in my mind about uh, times where authority is actually wielded well, yep. according to the scriptures and according even to an historic confession, and people just don't like that. Mm -hmm. And that, we want to clarify, maybe is, is not an abuse of authority. Yeah, the I problem there is not with the authority. The problem may very well be with us, and we yeah. may talk about that And there's later. a natural bent against right. authority. Which is where we're going. Yeah. So a few comments out of the gate here as we're starting to get this rock rolling downhill. Um, authority in general. In our world, in a fallen world, we all, as fallen people, have an inherent distrust of authority. We don't like it. And I think in our day, on the one hand, it's no different than it's ever been in the history of the world, though I think in ways it is uniquely manifesting itself. I think that's clear if you pick up the, the newspaper, if people even read such things anymore, if you read it digitally online, or if you listen to podcasts about the culture and the society and news and things that are happening, government, whatever, the distrust of authority is turned up to an 11 these days. And there's all kinds of discussion about toxicity and uh, you know, the dynamics of oppression and power and all of that. And people are very attuned to this and the antennas are up and, and people are triggered easily to use more buzzwords yeah. as we think about all of these dynamics. And so if, if you are in a position of authority in any kind of institution, whether that's the church or the family or a business or the government or whatever, there is an inherent suspicion of that right now, it seems. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a concern, of course. I think what we need to acknowledge is that authority itself is good. Authority in and of itself is not the problem. Because God instituted. A, a, God instituted it. Authority is a, is a piece of the structure of the world that God has made. It's a part of the grain and the fabric of creation, if we want to even use that language. Yeah. Let me just read a, a passage from Scripture that would, would illustrate this. These are the final words of David from 2 Samuel 23. So what would King David, this man who maybe more than anyone else in the Old Testament is, prefigures Christ and, and all of these things, was a good king, what would he say in his final moments that would be of value for us to hear. Well, he talks this way. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, 
ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. That's 2 Samuel 23, verses 2 to 4. So he's saying when God when God has God has said, and God has set it up in such a way that when a man rules justly over others, ruling in the fear of God, he's like the dawn in the morning light. He's like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. He's like rain that falls on the earth and causes things to grow. What a beautiful image of how authority used well is a blessing, and it's a good thing from God. So we want to go ahead and say this out of the gate, that authority in and of itself is not the problem. You know, Lord Acton is famous for saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And on the one hand, I agree with that, but the problem is not even with power. Yeah, The problem is with the human heart. It's that we take something good, authority, and we abuse it. We use it in a way that the Lord has not intended, and then harm as a result. Yeah. So. Let's start there, John, and, and let's, I, I, mean, I don't know if you have other thoughts about authority in general before we pivot to how this goes poorly even in the church, because obviously power is abused in a fallen world. Authority is abused in a fallen world. The church is not exempt from that. The families that comprise churches are not exempt from that. Yeah. You know, and we need to talk honestly about these things. Well, there's so many sections where both Peter and Paul write to pastors those who have authority. Um, and that authority, we have to, you know, we could do a whole podcast on this. And this is where uh, it's crazy where people will, because of ignorance and because they have not been theologically trained, that they they find themselves being led by leaders mm-hmm. who can basically say do and do whatever they want because yeah. they've been told don't don't you dare ever question the pastor. Sure. You know? um, Yet, That's certainly true in a fundamentalist. Oh yeah, context. Oh like yes. where, what you grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't question the man of God. Right, and then First you know? Peter five three. You know, Peter tells them, "Do not lord over people. Yeah. Do not." He's speaking to pastors. That's right. Do not lord it over people. Right, yeah. where all of us, you know, you are pl- you are put in a place that, in many ways, you're not speaking for God as if God is the one communicating right. to you, but you are responsible, as it says in Hebrews, to care for the souls yeah. of people. Yeah, and. And you'll give an account for that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, um, you know, when we do new members classes, we talk about we as elders, we take our role very, very serious. Mm-hmm. We aren't communicators. We're not organizers. We're not community organizers. Mm-hmm. Our job is to feed and protect the right. souls of those to right. whom God has gathered in our and local group. Exactly. And to whom God, God has entrusted to your care. That's right. Right. So the, the qualifications that are given to us by Paul are such like bottom low level, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's where we start, Yeah, you know, and you know, every context is different and, and any, any church that takes time to make sure that their elders are trustworthy, they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're men of their word. Um, they're not quick to anger is going to do their congregation well. Yeah. So when I say, you know, cause I'm sure you've experienced this, Justin, when you are in a new members class and you, you tell people we are elder led. Like right. we, the elders are off the front and they're, yep. they're feeding and caring for the sheep and they're guiding and protecting. And the elders lead this congregation. Right. Yeah. And we do believe that scripture says that you should submit to yeah. that leadership and people, they hear that word submit and there's like immediate. Well, sure. Like Cause that's, that's a trigger word these days. Right. And it's important to say this, that, you know, for example, in our church, I mean, we are an elder led congregationally governed church in that we believe our, our membership speaks into matters of, of membership and doctrine, who's a part of the church and then what kind of doctrine do we teach? But the elders pastor the church. Yeah. 
That's right. We lead the church. We teach. We make a lot of decisions. And there are very few things that we vote on as a congregation. And we need to understand that the congregation does not give us authority. God has actually given us authority. And what the congregation is doing is recognizing that we've been set apart as elders to do this work. That's important. But in saying that, that doesn't mean that we just do whatever we want to do. We need to pastor according to the scriptures, and we need to pastor according to our our confession. And we're very plain about those things, talking about membership classes. We teach through our confession so that our people understand, here's what we believe, and here's how we live together. That's right. And if we start saying things contrary to this and outside the bounds of this, then you should be concerned, and we should be fired. That's right. But Well, yeah, yeah, and going contrary to that, or talking about things outside of scripture. Yes. I mean, look, we're just going to go ahead and jump into this, but if a pastor— yeah, yeah. If, if a pastor starts uh, going in, like, listen, J- Justin, you and I can use biblical broad um, perspectives on morality, the gospel, and clear third use of the law, right? Mm-hmm. So, but when we start telling people their voting patterns, oh. their dating patterns, um, you know, how, which in ways people use their time, there's a lot of mm-hmm. wisdom and discretion where a new law is placed right. upon people and there's a new burden that they have to live up to a certain expectation that you can't necessarily argue from scripture, right. but with much twisting of the scripture, which yeah. I have seen all of a sudden, if you're watching a football game on a Sunday afternoon, you're dishonoring the Lord. And I'm like, Whoa, we, we need to back up here for a moment. Sure. I'll go ahead and say this. I, Sometimes, you know, when we jot things down prior, I thought I might say this later in the podcast, but it's okay. It's maybe good to come on out with it now, given what you just said. I want to help the listener think well about pastoral authority and what it looks like to be a careful and thoughtful pastor who does not abuse his authority, because I don't think that we think well about this in the church. To abuse authority is not to have a strong personality. Uh, It's not to be a, a strong communicator. That's not what we mean. But it's very important. Our elders talk about this all the time. And one of our elders is here, and and I know that he's agreeing with me. He's in my kind of peripheral view here. We take great pains in our church to stay in our lane pastorally. Yeah. What do we mean by that? It's like, well, we deal in matters of sin and repentance and law and gospel. And we are very clear and we're very, I don't know the right word to use, but we're very direct. We're very unequivocal when it comes to things like that. When it comes to law and gospel, thus saith the Lord, when it comes to sin and repentance, those things are not ambiguous. They're not vague. They're not gray. That's right. But then as soon as we step outside of the lane of thus saith the Lord and what the confession is clearly articulated, and we're getting into the realm of wisdom and prudence, yes, maybe we can infer from biblical principle, but the Lord has not spoken specifically to the issue. I don't care what it is. That's right. As soon as we start making very strong pronouncements about what congregants must do, we are abusing authority. Yep. To, and kind of to dovetail this with something that I alluded to earlier, to hold our membership and our elders to the standard of doctrine outlined in a confession, to hold ourselves to the doctrine clearly taught in the scriptures is not abuse. It's just not. No. Nope. So if you want to live, if I want to live in a way that's contrary to the scriptures, that's contrary to the confession, and the elders in the church hold us to that standard, that is right. That's right. But if the pastors of the church begin to tell people how they're to live in very wisdom realm things, prudence decisions, and 
areas of their lives where they have a lot of latitude and freedom to do what seems good to them, but the pastors are binding consciences, we have a problem. Yeah. Well, there's a great example of this. I, uh, there's a Netflix series about this, but I've been aware of this church for over 20 years. I remember when my mom introduced it to me years ago called The Way Down Church. Hmm. And there's a series now about it, uh, but this is here in Nashville. Hmm. And basically, if you're overweight, you cannot go to this church. You can't be a member there. Oh, it's on Netflix. There was, unfortunately, there was a plane crash and a lot of leadership died Hmm. recently. Um, But their whole theology was that if you're overweight at all, you're basically in sin. Mm -hmm. And that's a great example of going into a realm Mm -hmm. where you're going to bind the conscience and cause someone to think that they're under the judgment of God in in areas where, listen, I understand the Bible warns us about gluttony and and, and the abuse of food, but it's take, you're taking it to a level that I'm like, wow, you have created an entire culture and an mm-hmm. entire church on this. Well, you know, that's easy to poke in the eye. I'm like, oh, that is so ridiculous. I would yeah. never. And yeah, people but, look at false religions like Mormonism or sure. whatever and like, oh, that. But we have smaller areas in our life that we do this. Uh, where we create laws and regulations and we bind people to them. And if they're not doing it, I mean, I I know uh, a couple that I was counseling and they were at a church and um, I got to be careful, I guess, how I say this, but they're every home group they went to, they were given this form of like, you know, did you faithfully read your Bible this week? How Mm -hmm. often were you and your spouse intimate? Mm, Like they were, they were regulating people's intimacy. And I was like, good night. This is insanity. Right. So there's a level where it's like, listen, we want to be helpful. We want to be there. We want to shepherd and guide people, but there's a line that gets crossed. And I think we have to be careful and understanding like, what is the role of the person in the authority? And I would say, Justin, if I were to simplify it, kind of back up before we Uh go forward again, sure. Ultimately elders in a church, Mm -hmm. Their design is to protect the gospel yep. and protect sound doctrine, protect right. the sheep from false teaching, right, right, and to also lead and guide them when they stumble, when they are clearly stumbling into sin. Yeah, this is Galatians six two. Correct. Yeah. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness: A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Yeah, it's interesting to me how many people I've had conversations with over the last number of years who, I'm going to be very general so that I'm not going to refer to any one conversation in particular. But there are people who have expressed frustration toward me for not speaking more strongly about certain issues in the church. Yeah. For example, politics. I was going to say political. This is one of the, this is low hanging fruit because we are, again, McKenzie's sitting here. He knows we take great pains to never speak politically in our church. Do we speak to moral issues in the scriptures? Yes. Do we uphold God's law? Yes, we do. So those things are not up for debate in our congregation. They're not up for debate amongst our elders. The confession is plain. The scripture is plain. But when it comes to something like politics and how a person might vote or how a person might view a particular social or political issue, where we are way down the stream and way down the chain from anything thus saith the Lord, and somebody's having to reason, how do we best pursue justice in a fallen world? We aim to give people latitude to make that decision while being clear about the law of God. 
And there are many who have been in our context who are very concerned that our lack of speaking to particular political issues and telling people how to vote, for example, right. is us being negligent of our pastoral responsibility and duty, to which I would say, brother, sister, I could not disagree more strongly, because as soon as we establish a pattern of going beyond the Bible and going beyond the confession to tell people what to do in a downstream wisdom call like voting, we have opened Pandora's box and we have taken ourselves to a place from which we may never recover. That's right. Where we're going to now be telling everyone what to do in all these specific areas of their lives. I mean, like you were saying, how long before we have a checklist That's right. in our community groups or in our Sunday school classes or whatever about how many times have you done A, B, or C this week? Because this is clearly what faithfulness looks like. Yeah. And this is a test of orthodoxy and your fidelity to Christ. Yeah. That is abusive. It is. I, can't, I mean, yeah. how, many, how many people were you know, the virtue signaling of they canceled Disney or they canceled Netflix. And, you know, and I always chuckle because I always go back. I'm like, so, so you have Netflix again? You know, and they're always like, well, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I'm like, whatever. But I remember, like, I remember yeah. these ways. I can remember when I was a kid and, you know, we were no longer going to go to Disneyland and we were whatever. Yeah. And uh, it, we, we can, there's this, I, I, there's, I do not, I do not want to suppress the heart behind wanting to honor and do what's right. Of course not. But creating a law and yeah. then requiring people to adhere to it, especially when it's coming from the place of authority, right. it is so dangerous. It's, people, yeah. Justin, you know, for those who understand and do appreciate the authority that God has placed in the church, yeah. there are people who... Which we should. Right. There are people who wrestle with like, wow, my pastor just said I should do this. And if I'm not you know, wow, maybe, maybe I'm not a, maybe I'm not a Christian yeah. at this point. To, to every pastor who's listening, whether you're the lead guy or, or not, it doesn't matter. You and we, speaking as a pastor, must understand that our words carry weight mm-hmm. with them and that there are going to be many people in our congregation who, when they hear us say something, it will just hit different. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's an appropriate thing in the economy of God, but we must wield that carefully, thoughtfully, and gently. Said the words that, of Paul and that Peter. Cannot be, <laughs> that cannot be overstated. Right. right. So let me, you talked about not impugning the motivations. I, I don't either impugn yeah. the motivations of those who, who mean well, right, and want to live rightly and want the congregation to live rightly and not sin and all that. But we, you talked about some historical categories of pietism and biblicism. We can maybe talk about this for a minute. With the best of intentions, there are people who do really bad things in this way, abuse their pastoral authority or abuse authority in the, in the church or in the home, you know, um, meaning to do well because they have some aberrant theological perspectives. So biblicism, for example, and just to be very brief on this, biblicism is where you, it's, it's kind of proof texting, right? That's and right. you you isolate verses or you even just kind of, well, it says this here and this here and this here and this here, and you end up introducing all this apparent contradiction and mystery where there really isn't any. And it makes the scriptures sound somewhat schizophrenic sometimes. And uh, it's like, well, it says this here, so here's what we need to do. Um, That is not a sound theological framework. We've talked about that many times on this show. Go to our episode Uh, on biblicism. Sure. Or is your theological system any good? Yeah. You know, I mean, we've done some stuff on that. Check the show notes. We'll put it in there. Yeah. So, so, Having said that biblicism is, is not a sound way to do theology, people with the best of intentions bind consciences in really bad ways 
all in the name of the scriptures. It's like, what's bad is that we're going to blame God for this. Yeah. You know, we're, we're basically blaming Jesus for it because like, well, the scriptures say this and you have in isolation without a theological framework drawn a conclusion that is biblical or maybe unbiblical and are now binding the conscience of a dear saint with that. Yeah. And you're telling them perhaps to persevere in a situation that is horrific where the Lord and his mercy might actually have them be delivered from it. But you're saying, hey, godliness looks like this. Or you need to now, you must do this. I know it's hard. I know it doesn't seem like it's going to work, but you need to trust God and do A, B, or C. When in reality, there's no biblical warrant for it from a sound theological perspective. Yeah. But yet we have in the name of God and in the name of God's word, bound the conscience of somebody to do it. And like, it's just, it's bad. That's a horrible example. Sure. Because I hate this example. We could use a number of bad yeah. ones. Yeah. But uh, uh, um, a spouse that's in an abusive relationship, like a real abusive, not, you know, pretend abuse, but real abuse. Yeah, not that just they, we don't like each other, and I'm sort <laughs> yeah. of disappointed in who I married. I fell out of love, and we, right. we yell at each other once in a while. Right. But like real abuse, and we say, well, you need to just trust the Lord that God, you're right. going to be the light that's going to be there to change their heart. I, I don't mean to sound disrespectful or dis, or I don't even know, flippant, but we talked about this before we recorded. Yeah. First Peter 3. Yeah. Like, sadly, there are many many women who have been told across this land in churches on account of the scripture that they need to stay with a man who is quite literally beating them yeah. horribly. Verbally and physically. Beating them yeah. up in various ways. You need to stay with him to demonstrate that your hope is in God. Yeah. And that's an example of, of a poor theological framework that's ignoring texts like 1 Corinthians 7, various passages in the Old Testament where the Lord is very clear clearly aiming to protect women in marriage and aiming to protect those who are vulnerable in general. And that's one example that's, I know, cringeworthy. It is. And it, and it triggers a lot of people in our modern context, but we shouldn't shy away from saying these things. Right. Um, but people will use the scriptures and manipulate them in all kinds of ways to bind people in all, all, toward all kinds of things that are really horrible. That's right. And we want to avoid such a thing, and may the Lord spare us from that. Yeah, so Justin, I think it would be good. We've got a few minutes here uh, to kind of spin this. Like, what, what do we do if we find ourselves in a context where we can identify, like, man, I think I'm being told to adhere to things, and I'm being shamed for it, I'm being guilted for it, and I, I'm just not convinced this is of Scripture. And, and we have to be careful here because it yeah. can't be one person's opinion against another. Listen, history is not authority. Co- uh, confessions are not authority. But if you've got a pastor, I'm, I'll clarify that in a second. But if you've got a pastor who is telling you that you must adhere to something and this is like the first in history that anyone's ever well, heard sure. of it. You need to run as quickly as you can. Well, you might want to back up and go, can you explain to me how this has not been really seen in Christianity anywhere else? Um, And we believe, and we love confessional theology. Sure. And as it comes to to moral ethics, I think all confessions agree on what is the third use of the law and moral ethics and what we should be adhering to. Um, But at the same time, it's like, listen, I understand that these are not scripture, but we have godly people who have been examining these and upholding these and pulling these apart and looking at them for, you know, a long time now. And why we should use them to guide and protect us. Mm -hmm. And so I know you do this at your church. I do it at my church. I tell people our confession is to protect you from me and to protect me from you. 
yeah. so that neither of us will abuse each other because we have sinful tendencies to do so. Sure. I mean, so I, I think the question could be asked in one of two ways. I mean, you could be asking, I'm, I'm in a context where my conscience is being bound outside of the scriptures. Yep. Uh, or you could be saying, I'm in a context where my conscience is being just bound in a general sense. Some of it may be good, some of it may be bad. Yeah. And there's no real objective standard that we're both appealing to. Yeah. Like you're unwilling so, to adopt a child from another country. Okay. You're yeah. I mean, guilty so for that. let me start with the one that's easy. This is one of the values of confessional theology. I'll just go ahead and say it. Because what we have is a confession of faith that is substantial and robust, that deals with primary and secondary matters. And makes pretty plain what we're to believe and how we're to live. Yeah. And we appeal to that because we understand it to be biblical. So in our congregation, we appeal to the Second London Confession. And our our congregants all have copies of this. Yep. And it's a public document. I mean, they can they can look at it anywhere. And so if we're like we've said a couple of times, if we're as pastors asking people to do things or we're preaching something that's contrary to that, then they ought to be able to appeal to the confession and to the scriptures to say, brother, I disagree with you. So if, if that's not the kind of environment you find yourself in, or if your church has some just very vague, ambiguous statement of faith, and it always ends up being sort of the pastor's opinion versus your opinion, that's tough. That's and, right. and may the Lord give you wisdom. And what you may hear you, is, well, we just believe what the Bible says here. Yeah, which is biblicism. <laughs> right. You know, a, a lot of times. That's just a different way to frame it. Yep. Um, we believe we're Bible people here. Well, that's great, but what do you understand the Bible to teach? That's, that's right. better. That's right? right. Okay. So then, but then another, another thing, more specifically, maybe I do find myself in a church context where there is a confession or there is a statement of faith that's pretty good. And I feel like I'm being bound in all of these ways that go beyond that to, you know, pertaining to how I deal with my adult children or pertaining to how I school my kids or yeah, pertaining, to, school versus or pertaining to how I vote, you know, come yeah. November, whatever. Um, then what I think I want to do is have a thoughtful conversation with leadership that's right. and make an appeal to the scripture, make an appeal to the confession yeah. or the statement Or even of faith. clarify, am I, am I and, misunderstanding Yeah, and here? say, uh, so I understand all these things, but you're saying this regularly. Tell me where that comes from. And, and I, yeah, I want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding you. Yeah. But we've got to have things to appeal to. Yeah. And if we don't have things to appeal to, I, I don't know what recourse you have. Yeah, I which, think, yeah. Which sort of is just another apologetic for why a robust confessional heritage and a, and a confessional environment is valuable. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's always done with respect and honor. It's always done sure. with gentleness and meekness, right? We, we don't throw the, we don't throw the fruits of the spirit aside when, when it comes to dealing with these, these type of scenarios. But at the same time, I don't want people to buckle underneath it and say, well, well, they're, they're the ones in charge. So I just need to submit to that. No, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a, we, we, there is never under any circumstance, a blind submission right? No, it's always within not. the context of scripture right. and only of the authority of scripture. Right. In many ways, I did grow up in context where I saw this specifically when I was in college, a blind submission to like, mm-hmm. this is what the pastor says. And God has anointed him. Yes. That's terrible. God has chosen him. And if yeah. God, if this is God's chosen man, how dare you disrespect and how mm-hmm. dare you question him? Sure. And it's like, well, we dare because that's well, I've got, you know, we don't believe in the Pope and this is just miniature popes. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, so I, final couple thoughts. I mean, confessions are valuable. A plurality of elders is valuable. Well, I, mean, I, that, I wanted to talk about that. And that may be another the, podcast yeah. for another time, or maybe we could even talk about that in SR today mm-hmm. and see if we want to do another pod on it. Right. Cause that's great. That's something to discuss. Uh, but then I think for me as a pastor, you know, I think some of the, the more difficult people to deal with are those who are very sincere, very zealous and mean well, and, and take, very seriously godly living and faithfulness. Like I, I want to be faithful to the Lord in, in every area of my life. 
and I don't, I just, I, I don't want to do things that are contrary to the will of God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those individuals, meaning well, you know, just want to be super clear, end up doing this inadvertently. They're binding the consciences of, of their families or those around them to do A, B, and C because they have inferred and reasoned from biblical principle that this must be a good thing. To where what I try to do in those situations is, okay, brother, sister, let's, let's back up a little bit and, and state what is clear unequivocally from the scripture and the confession. Now, once we've stated that, we need to agree that anything that's not specifically that, Christians actually could disagree about this, and it's okay. And so now what I pray is that the Lord give you wisdom, and, and you've got some real problems in your home or there's some real problems in some of your relationships because you're so rigid and dogmatic here and you actually shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. those are conversations that I've had a number of times as a pastor yeah. with people. And those are conversations we should have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a good topic that we've not really ever talked about before. No, I think my we just started the conversation. Yeah. I know we probably I agree. That's created what I was about to say. a lot of confusion. Think, and listen, we, what we want to do is... No, I don't think we've created confusion. Well, I just think we've no, said yeah. something. We've said, Sorry, there kind of, is a lot of confusion. Yeah, we've touched <laughs> the tip of an iceberg that's really big. It is. And what it may be is that we just need to record some more episodes with similar themes. Yeah. And, I know uh, you're going to email yeah. us and we're going to do our best to guide and direct you, but... You know, if you if you do have a, a church with a plurality of elders, you know I would rest on that. Yeah. Um. You know, use use the confession to to your advantage. And sure. So. Yeah, lots of good things. So John and I are about to record a second podcast. We call it Semper Reformanda. That's the name of, I guess we'll call it a, a second ministry. Sort of. It's under the Theocast umbrella. Yep. It's SR as we affectionately call it. It's a second podcast that we record every week, but it's also uh, our membership. People who have partnered with Theocast and support our ministry. Uh, financially, but also just with with prayer and, and encouragement. And they're also part of a community. We have an app where people are able to get on and interact with one another, ask questions. It's it's becoming a really sweet space to to go and talk theology, but also ask, hey, I'm, I'm moving to this area. Do you know of a good church there? Lots of good things going on also over post, on the uh, app. Episode bloopers once in a while. <laughs> episode bloopers every now and then. John and I will get on there with live videos, all those good things. So if you're interested in learning more about all this and how you could support Theocast more directly, you can find information over on our website, theocast.org. John has one more thing to say. He's waving at me. Yeah, and I would say in this conversation, this is why Justin and I are so passionate about church planting. Sure. And so if you haven't, please pray and help support Grace Reform Network, GRN. Yeah. Um, Also something that we're hopeful to see the Lord bring together. Cool. So we're headed over to record this second episode. We'll talk with many of you over there. And if you're not yet an SR member, we'll talk to you in the regular format next week. Grace and peace.